Here we go. You are listening to Rumination Law and Gospel on this Rumination Tuesday, August the 24th in the year of our Lord 2021. And we're going to be taking a look at a hymn. And the title of the hymn is By Grace I'm Saved, Grace Free and Boundless. Written by Christian Ludwig Scheidt, S-C-H-E-I-D-T. Born 1709, died 1761. He was a lawyer, a librarian, and a Lutheran hymn writer. Studied at the theology of Holly and philosophy in Göttingen, and he earned a doctorate in law in 1737 and was appointed to the faculty of that school. Sometime later, he received an appointment to teach law at the University of Copenhagen in Denmark. In 1748, he returned to Germany as a librarian and a court counsel in Hanover, uh, a position he held until his death. All eight of Scheidt's children died at a young age. And after the death of his youngest, he discovered marital unfaithfulness on the part of his wife and eventually divorced her. He then married Beata von Biden, and he died in Hanover on October the 25th, 1761. He wrote this hymn, and it appeared in 10 stanzas in 1742. It's been in use in English among Lutherans in America since 1889. And the version that we have has selections from stanzas 1 and 2, 4 and 5, 8 and 9. We're going to find out on what Bible verse this hymn is found. By grace I'm saved, grace free and boundless. Can you guess what Bible verse it was, Pastor Mark Smith? Well, it's uh, the verses that are given at the bottom of the page of the hymnal, Ephesians 2, 4 through 9, Titus 3, 4 through 7, Isaiah 64, verse 6, and Romans, of course, Romans 3, 23 to 24. Yes, the word grace appears 16 times in six verses. So, How about that? Yeah, we're going to learn about grace. If you would begin with stanza one, please. Okay. By grace, I'm saved. Grace free and boundless. My soul believe and doubt it not. Why stagger at this word of promise? Has scripture ever falsehood taught? No, then this word must true remain. By grace, you too will life obtain. Boy, there's so much here to talk about. First of all, there's the most important word, I think, in the entire stanza that tries to describe grace. It is a word of what? 
it's free and boundless. Promise, the word of promise. That's the word I'm looking for. That in contrast to every other religion, whereas your good works that you depend on, here you depend on a word of promise. And we are to what? Believe it and doubt it not. What does it mean that it's free and boundless? Well, it can't be earned or deserved. It's it's a free gift, absolutely free gift, through by in in God's Son Jesus Christ. Exactly, and so many people don't believe it because they stagger at this word of promise. What does that mean? They stagger. Well. We are so used to thinking in terms of the law. We're so used to, you know, our whole lives, we, there's no such thing as a free lunch, we say. You have to earn what you get. Um, and so we're, we're, we live in a world where you have to work for something. You have to earn it. And it's, it's very, I think, it, it's very difficult. I, I think it's probably innate. That we tend to think, oh, I've got to, if, if I'm going to be given anything, I got to, I got to earn it first. Yes, in fact, you can find out, even a Christian, where they stand on this by simply asking the question, uh, "You are saved. What did you have to do to be saved?" And some of them who understand, well, it's not my works, they will say, "Well, I have to believe." And yeah, they think that yeah. belief is something. Yeah. We, we, we tend to have, uh, some people wrongly tend to put their faith in their faith, their, their faith in their belief. And that's, that's the good. wrong, that's the wrong uh, focus of faith too. Exactly. To say, yeah, I'm going to heaven because I believe. And that is a real sign of unrighteousness. Notice he brings in the Bible right away. Has Scripture ever falsehood taught? Well, for a lot of people, there's a lot of falsehood in Scripture, beginning with evolution and especially in our day with morality. They just don't agree with the morality of Scripture. It's too old-fashioned, and they want to set up their own morality. And that's what's causing a lot of division, not only in churches, but also in personal lives. Yeah, they tend to think, well, that may be true for you, but not for me. Uh, yes. Yeah, that last line is good. This hymn is being written to human beings who are alive. And yet what Scheidt says is, by grace you too will life obtain. Now that needs to be explained, say, to children who are doing this hymn. If we're already alive, what life that we will obtain is he talking about? Well, it's like I uh, it's like I just wrote in a sermon just uh, recently, um, uh, talking about a little baby that was baptized. Her eternal life began with that baptism. Excellent. Yes, it doesn't begin with conception or birth but with baptism. And that happened, as far as we know, to every child except one. 
You know which one I'm talking about? Where he received the Holy Spirit while he was still in the womb. Oh, yes, uh, John the Baptist. Yeah, that's Excellent. right. Excellent. Yeah. Exactly. And so that was a promise given by Gabriel to his father. And uh, sure enough, that did happen. So that first verse really gives a good beginning that grace is free and boundless and that we ought not doubt it. And we do not doubt it because of the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'll uh, say stanza two. By grace, none dare lay claim to merit. Our works and conduct have no worth. God in his love sent our Redeemer, Christ Jesus, to this sinful earth. His death did for our sins atone, and we are saved by grace alone. Now, you can't get clearer than that. None dare lay claim to merit. What's that talking about? What's merit? Well, merit is uh, the idea that we have, uh, we've deserved something. We've deserved salvation. And, of course, well, we Christians know we are, we're, by, by our very nature, we're blind, dead, we're spiritually blind, dead, and enemies of God. There is, there is no way we should even dare uh, to think that we have earned this salvation. No way. It's an it's a absolutely free gift. Undeserved. There's nothing we. There's nothing we did prior to our birth or conception. There's nothing we've done throughout our life to deserve it. It's a. It's a pure gift of God's grace. In fact, God chose us even before the world began. But it's He chose us in Christ Jesus. Again, that's a. That's a free gift. Nothing that we have merited or deserved. In the parable of the sheep and the goats, God doesn't say that we merit salvation. What's the word that he says that sounds like merit? Uh, inherit. Yes. That is a huge difference between law and gospel. Under the law, you merit. Under the gospel, you inherit. And, for example, if a father dies and leaves a child who is three months old something in his will, what did the child do to inherit? Absolutely nothing. It was a yes. It was a free gift that he inherited simply, simply by the good grace of the fact that he was born into this family. We need to explain a little bit because people are going to be confused with the next line. Our works and conduct have no worth. How can that be understood properly? Well, works, good works are important. And God, God wants us to do. In fact, he has, he, has, uh, he has also established works for us to do. But they have absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing to do with our salvation. Not a bit. Yes, we our have salvation, a... Our, our salvation is completely separate from uh, the works that we do, even though works, works are important and God wants us to do them. We have a distinction in Lutheran theology 
between justification and sanctification. Justification is that occasion when God declares us forgiven. Sanctification are the works we do in thankfulness for having received that grace. And so obviously, works that are a result of our being saved cannot be the cause of our being saved. Right. They're instead a result. And it's kind of like a child of parents. You don't say, well, that's the child of the parents because he helps do the dishes, takes out the garbage, uh, washes the car, cuts the lawn. No, those works are of no worth in him becoming a child of the parents. They are worthy, but not in becoming a child. Yeah, they're, they're, a mo- they're motivated. They're a response to the love uh, that that the parents have shown that child, but but they're not. But they love him. You know, those parents love that child even apart from anything that he does. So, by the second verse, he's talking about Christ the Redeemer, who was sent to this sinful earth, and his death for our sins atone. What's the explanation of that word atone? Well, I break it apart. We are at one. We're at one now with, uh, with God. Christ has atoned for our sins. He's paid for them in full, and he has made us one with God as a result. And that becomes clear both with the shepherds at the birth of Jesus, hearing, peace be with you, and at the night of his resurrection, when Jesus appeared to the apostles, and the first words he said were peace. Right. That's part of God's grace. All right. Stanza three, please. By grace, God's Son, our only Savior, came down to earth to bear our sin. Was it because of your own merit that Jesus died your soul to win? No. It was grace and grace alone that brought him from his heavenly throne. That's clear from John 3.16. What does that say? Yeah, John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Notice that it has nothing to do with our merit. That's right. Like this particular stanza is saying. He came down to bear our sin. How would that be explained to a child? He took our sins upon himself. Um, and, of course, I think many believe that this happened actually at, at, uh, at his own baptism, when he made that divine exchange. His righteousness, which he gives us, and in exchange he takes all our sins upon himself and... Uh, took them upon himself and, of course, suffered uh, death as well as, uh, as, well as the, the pangs of hell for us. Exactly. That's why, that's why he cried out when, just bef- before he's about to, to give up the ghost. He cried out, it is finished. 
are, are every every single sin. In fact, every single sin has ever been committed in the, the sins of the whole world had been atoned for when he cried out, it is finished. Yes. Now, we can't leave this hymn without making the distinctions between justice and grace and what else? And mercy. Mercy. What are those distinctions? <laughs> you put me on the spot again. Huh? You know I have a hard time remembering this. <laughs> yeah, but you do a good job when you do. <laughs> well, let's see. What do you want to know first? Justice? Justice. Yeah. Uh, justice is what we all deserve because of, because of our, sinful, our sinfulness. Yes. Justice is what we get, what we deserve. You get and what we, we don't deserve, want that. Right? No. Because uh-uh. that would be eternal hell. That's What's right. mercy? Mercy is getting what we don't deserve. No. That's grace. <laughs> That's grace. Okay. Mercy, Mercy is not getting. Not getting. Not getting what we deserve. Right. Yes. Not getting the, the terrible punishment that we all deserve. Right. Okay. Well, we got to do this every week. I know. I I don't know why I have a hard time remembering this. Yes. I remember the, I remember the truth, but I have a hard time uh, verbalizing it. Yes. No, it's, again, categories of Lutheran theology that really help here. And grace, therefore, is getting, let's see, that's getting what we don't deserve. Excellent. Okay. Yes. And so the whole hymn is talking about getting what we don't deserve, and that's why it's against merit, because merit is getting what we do deserve. Yeah. He really hits he really hits home the truth it's by grace and grace alone like in that third hymn nor no it was grace and grace alone that brought him from his heavenly throne. Yes. All right, could you read stanza 4? By grace this ground of faith is certain as long as God is true it stands. What saints have penned by inspiration what in his word our God commands. Our faith in what our God has done depends on grace, grace through his Son. And the ground of faith is certain. What is the ground of faith? Jesus promises. Oh, boy, that's very good, Pastor Smith. Always remember promises. Yeah. Promises we don't deserve. That's the ground of our faith. Right. And so we're that's not what, saved. That's what, Jesus, that's what Jesus meant when he said, when Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he, and he named him Peter, which means rock. And he says, it, on this rock, I will build my church. That's the rock of him, of his promises, being the son of God. Yes. Yes. He's not referring to Peter as a rock. No. He's referring to the promises that led Peter to believe in him. Exactly. All right. So as long as God is true, it stands. See, a lot of people don't realize that. When they deny that we're saved by grace, we're really calling God a liar. 
Yeah, right. That's right. It's a slap in the face. Yes. And uh, the, the object of our faith is definitely what our God has done and the promises connected to that. So faith isn't just believing he died and rose. It's believing the promises that he died for me and he rose for my justification. Exactly right. It's always for us, for us, for me, right? All right, I'll do stanza five. By grace to timid hearts that tremble in tribulation's furnace tried. By grace, in spite of fear and trouble, the Father's heart is open wide. Where could I help and strength secure if grace were not my anchor sure? Now, what's he talking about? Timid hearts trembling and tribulations furnace. What's well, all that about? He's possibly, I don't know when he wrote this hymn, but I would imagine if he lost all eight of his children. And then, of course, uh, not only that, but his his own wife's infidelity, ending, of course, in a broken marriage. Do you talk about talk about a heart trembling, uh, being tried in the furnace of tribulation? I mean, he knew that firsthand. Uh, and what would be the primary tribulation from the devil? Oh well, well, what the devil is always uh, the devil is always tempting us into thinking you're no Christian. You, you're, exactly, you're not, a, you're not a good Christian at all. You call yourself a Christian? Uh, what kind of what kind of Christian would lose all eight of his children? What kind of Christians what would wife his wife would cheat on him? So those are the that's the, das ist der Teufel, as the Germans would say. That's the devil. Yes, and that's why we have timid hearts. Every time we as a pastor have been asked by a member to explain something, it often comes from a timid heart that trembles and because of tribulation's furnace has been tried. And that's where we therefore show how the Father's heart is open wide. What does that mean? I don't know, but I sure like it. I sure like that line. The Father's heart is open wide. Uh, we probably understand it better if we think of Jesus' open wide arms, you know, the arms that he extended out on the cross, nail-pierced hands, and th yet they were open wide to all. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come unto me, my, he my heart is open wide, my arms are open wide. Yeah, what I would say is, as a child, sometimes you disobey your parents. Yes. You will not go to them if you feel that you're really going to get justice alone and yeah. get, but if you believe your heart of your father is open wide to yes. hear you, to forgive you, to help you, then in spite of fear and trouble, you'll know that there's someone you can go to. Yeah. All that, all that parent need do is extend their arms open wide and the child knows to run to their parent. And that's what the father did. And that was a good um, symbolism of Christ on the cross with open arms. Yeah. All right, stanza six. By grace, on this I'll rest when dying. 
In Jesus' promise, I rejoice. For though I know my heart's condition, I also know my Savior's voice. My heart is glad. All grief has flown since I am saved by grace alone. That's a great verse. What does he mean, he knows his heart's condition? Well, he knows how sinful his heart is. Even, uh, you know, uh, I suppose even, I don't I, I picture him on his deathbed here when I'm dying. You know, it's, it's often yeah. that we, when we're on our deathbed that we, you know, we, we kind of rehearse what we've done in our life. We, re- we know what a miserable sinner we are. And uh, what we need then, more than anything else, is the assurance of the gospel, that Christ has taken all our sins with him to the cross. He's atoned for every last one of them. Every last, even the last sin we commit on our dying day, he has washed away in baptism. Though he knows his heart's condition, right? what else does he know? The Savior's voice. Yes. And what would that mean? He recognizes the voice of his dear shepherd. Jesus. Yes. Now, see, I know my heart's condition. That means he's a sinner. But then he says, my heart is glad. Yeah. Is that the same heart? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think of that. Well, I'm not so sure. My my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. No, no. The question I asked was, is that the same heart? Let me think. Well, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. See, that's knowing the heart's condition, that's his sinful self. Right. Now the heart is glad. That's a new heart given to him in his baptism. Right. And therefore, that's what we have to deal with members of the congregation who are near death. Their new heart. That's right. So, thanks so very much, Pastor Mark Smith. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. This is a great hymn. We keep telling you, you can witness by saying some hymns. And this is a great hymn to explain the word grace. Join us tomorrow on Law and Gospel for another discussion. I'm Tom Baker. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.